No, I didn't say that. <laughs> He's my best friend. Best friend. Friends to the end. Friends to the end, and this is the end. God, Rocco. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 38 of Destination Linux. My name's Rocco, and with me is my good friend, Ryan. I like how you said that. How you doing, Ryan? I am doing awesome. We've had an incredible couple of weeks, haven't we, of interviews with some amazing people, and the feedback and response has been incredible. And frankly, I just feel honored we had the guests that were interested in joining. But then they were doing things amazing, like doing major announcements on our show. And that was just such a privilege. Well, we had the Manjaro guys on last week. Yeah, We had uh, Eddie from Station X the previous week. And we had Ike three weeks ago. So we've had some awesome guests, some great conversations, and some really good feedback. So been some of the most fun we've had since I've joined. It's been some of the most fun we've had just being able to talk with people at their level, doing some really unique things with Linux. And it's just been so exciting. But this week, Rocco, we are back with the news. Back with the news? Yep. We've got a, you know, this one was interesting. When I saw it in there, the first thing I thought is GNOME is taking over the world. Resistance is futile. <laughs> It's just, it's everywhere, isn't it? GNOME is all over the place. And I think that shows, uh, you were mentioning the power of Canonical and the fact that Ubuntu is going to it certainly has, uh, I think, stepped up GNOME. It's not like GNOME was small before by any means, don't get me wrong, but it's just everywhere in the news now. And there's, of course, some updates here. Well, ever since Canonical decided to uh, switch to GNOME as default, um, you have all of the activity everybody pretty much it's like a magnet they all draw towards whatever the activity is which now it's gnome so you see so many improvements coming out so many extensions being made uh so many extensions being updated that that's where it's at it's at gnome right now so it's yeah. a hot topic well they're doing some great things in there that can't be denied even in just this update here which they're codenaming manchester You've got support for, which this may seem like a small thing, but you'd be surprised how many people utilize this constantly nowadays, even in work environments, which is a little bit shocking to me in a business corporate America, <laughs> but emojis, emojis are a big deal. So support for emojis, flat pack improvements, brand new control center. Of course, they're now changing that name to just settings uh, within there instead of control center, which I guess is a good thing because isn't it, it's called control center, I think, in Windows so they're, I guess they're differentiating a little bit there by calling it settings. Well, GNOME is always is noted for taking their apps and changing the name to kind of like make them more <laughs> bland and vanilla. So settings is uh, going along with their motto, but they've really streamlined the settings area. And it, you know, you may seem like, well, settings, who cares? But they took the settings area and they made uh, a, a sidebar on the left and you have everything right there on the left. And once you click on a certain specific tab, uh, it opens up to the actual settings of that area, which is yep. something that I think probably should have been there from the beginning. Definitely. So, it's much more slick. It it just 
the user experience and using it is much better, even though it sounds simple, like, oh, there's a taskbar on the left now, but it's very easy to navigate and get to the area that you want, that you're interested in changing. And I think that's ultimately going to be a really good thing for them. Color emojis are now supported throughout GNOME. Um, so that's another one. And you can insert those emojis into chats, messages, and your documents. So from now on, when we do a destination Linux document, we can have emojis all over it. All over the place. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you've also got. Oh, go ahead. Uh, there's there's. There's little things here and there, but there's more things that they're doing. Like, okay, so you got the Photos app. It comes with new mm -hmm. Zoom controls, okay? This is not major, but these are all little things that go into making a complete desktop. You know, the yep. Maps app now lets you switch between um, uh, places with shortcuts for the keys. So this is like little things here and there that sound small, but, man, they make a complete desktop. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of consider that more of like the user experience that you're getting out of it all is just improving with these updates. They also have fractional display scaling being introduced. So this is to make high DPI displays more crisp and visible, and you're not getting some of the blockiness and stuff that those who've spent a little more money on their monitors or have high def monitors uh, may have been missing out on in the Linux world. So what's high DPI mean? Well, the easiest way to explain this is essentially if you take Max Retina display, it is the technology that all the other companies are calling their version of Retina. It's just creating twice as many pixels on your screen as you would have had otherwise. So some of the higher end monitors support this and some of the other monitors, if you just have regular monitors that you go out there and buy that aren't 4K or whatnot, then they may not support it. But instead of calling their monitors Retina, they're going to call it high DPI, and that's really every, every other manufacturer's version of a Retina display. Well, but that's why it's important that this is in here, because if you do buy a 4K display, not every operating system out there right now, not every desktop environment, is going to display correctly. So Correct. it's important that they make these changes uh, now so that people who do have high DPI displays will actually be able to utilize them and see everything the way it's supposed to be seen. Correct. And it is important to note that if you are getting like a lower end 4K monitor, so some of the ones that may be cheaper, it may not be high DPI. It's still 4K, but not high DPI. So those two are individual technologies from each other. Uh, but Essentially, there it's really something you're going to find on a lot more of your higher end, more expensive monitors out there. But it is great that somebody who has that, for instance, an engineer or a graphic designer, like you were mentioning, would want to support that. They spent that money on that monitor. And we've talked about using the latest and greatest on Linux as well as it working on the older equipment. Super important little feature in there. They also have some other things like the system monitor. Uh, that they've tweaked so that the disk IOs are listed per process in there. So you can kind of get some more specifics as you're monitoring your system. Box app now lets you share folders between guests and hosts. I mean, all of this is just they, this list of things that they've changed in this version is quite extensive. And all of them, I think, are all good. There's nothing on here I was like, oh, why did they do that? This was all neat things that they've added. Well, you, just like Epiphany, uh, the web browser, or GNOME Web, as they call it, uh, will, comes with Firefox Sync support. So for those of you who you know have your stuff in Firefox, that's all good. Now, I don't. I use What do I use, Ryan? 
I don't know. What do you use? Oh, Chrome. Chrome. <laughs> I can't believe you still use that after all the lashings we've given you. It's all good. I can take it. <laughs> you can take it. <laughs> so GNOME 3.26 is available, I believe, in the Arch um, user repository. So you can install that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be default in 1710 when it releases October 19th. So this is all good changes to be made, man. Now I've got to ask Rocco. Yeah. 17.10 is going to be a big deal. It's out there now. You can get the daily builds. I have it on my laptop. I've been using it. Will you, will you think about switching to Ubuntu 17.10 when it releases? I will definitely think about it. I, um, it's like I said before, it's where the activity is. It's where, uh, all of the big changes are coming right now. So it's something that you definitely want to try out. Now, currently I'm running Solus and mm-hmm. there's a lot of activity on Solus right now. So yeah. stuff that we probably ain't even going to cover today, like uh, Fairy D becoming uh, the default repos uh, for Solus. So there's a lot of activity everywhere, but GNOME is where it's at. So yeah, I think um, at some point I will definitely try it out. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely I've moved both of my machines to Ubuntu. One's on 17.04. My laptop's on 17.10 right now because I've been wanting to play with them and, and try the differences. And I've I've enjoyed it. I've always liked Ubuntu. It was the first distro like many, uh, and I love all of these changes coming. So they're you know with the GNOME integration, if that goes well then all of these things are really going to make a difference in in using the PCs for me. And a lot of the changes, like I said, I'm looking at all make sense and they're all things I would want to have. So I'm pretty excited. And I wonder if a lot of this has to do with just listening to their end users a lot more than maybe they had in the past, because it seems like these changes are more rapid than I've witnessed in my short time with Linux anyways. Well, I think that they do. It's kind of like a a hit and miss. I think there are times where they do um, listen to the end users, like they were putting out polls on OMG Ubuntu, uh, and and they have listened, but they still have their own vision that they want to accomplish. And sometimes that goes against what the end users want, but they do have that. And, um, you know, we'll see. We have to let it play out and see how well it's going to be. So what are some other things coming out, like adaptive transparency, Rocco? Adaptive transparency is pretty much awesome. So this is relating to the Ubuntu dock that they're going to have that is the fork of Dash to Dock. And Mm -hmm. basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to have the same transparency level on the panel as the dock. And then when you full screen a window, it will go, go opaque so that the dock is no longer transparent and your panel is no longer transparent. And before um, it was kind of like uh, a different level of transparency. So now it will be the same and it will adapt to what you have open full screen and what you don't have open full screen. So it looks fabulous. And And that's a big deal, especially for a themer like you. I mean, that could, that could make you switch an entire distro if it didn't have that. Look, man, these are the little (laughs) things that go into it that just, look, they make, you know, okay, so recently Solus came out with transparency for the budgie panel. That's something that makes the the whole desktop look completely different and Mm -hmm. completely awesome at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, you make fun of me. Go ahead. But it does look good. (laughs) Absolutely. It does. It does make a difference. So Dash to Dock version 61 has been released with Unity-style launcher backlights. 
So official support for GNOME 3.26. So the users who are moving to Ubuntu 17.10, that's the version you're going to have, the version I will have on my machine. And background tiles now available for seeing apps that are running. So now when you run an app, there's nothing more annoying. And I've had this happen many times where you run an app through a dock uh, that you're using or an app launcher and you click it and it doesn't tell you it's running or anything's different with it. So then when you go back to your dock to find what's running or to close it down, you can't find it. So this is going to do something a little different. It's actually going to change the background color of that tile when it's an app that's actually running on your machine. Yep. Well, a lot, it, depending on the desktop environment and uh, the theme you're running, because uh, Solus has something similar where it has a uh, line behind uh, what app you have open. Mm-hmm. Um, and what there's a line behind the active window and a dot behind the actual uh, other windows that are open but are minimized or not the actual main window. So they all have something similar, but this brings it to more to the Unity style, more to what people who have used uh, Ubuntu in the past are going to be used to. So I think this is more to do with kind of like appeasing people and not appeasing people, but uh, bringing familiar familiar. Can you say that? Familiarity. Familiarity. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> it brings that to uh, to the desktop. So it's a good yeah, thing. Definitely. And and this one I thought of you the second I read it. And that's that the background now matches the dominant color of the app icon. So what's wrong I mean, with that? Why are you like, a theme hater? I feel like you were on the forums going, guys, you want me to use this <laughs> and take you seriously. You will make that icon background match the actual icon's color. Actually, this is actually, I think, a really great improvement. When I saw the screenshots of it, it definitely made it look better, in my opinion, having that background color match the app's icon color versus having your theme color as the only background for all of your icons there. Right. So, and then they've done a little bit with shortcuts here. So super one through 10 uh, that are associated to the top row one through 10 are now basically that's going to be your shortcut keys. You're not going to be able to use super plus your numcat num pad keys one through 10. And that was to really stop and avoid conflicts when people are creating shortcuts related to those. So I thought that was a good change that they made there. Definitely. Because uh, I'm not a a big shortcut key guy, uh, but for people who do use the shortcuts, I'm sure that was totally annoying. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. So we have uh, M connect. So this extension has been updated And this basically allows you to connect your smartphone to the GNOME desktop through a shell extension using the KD Connect uh, backend. But you had some issues with it. I could not get it to work. Uh, That might be the theme with a couple items on here this week. Uh, I couldn't get the M Connect to work. Um, I installed, of course, the GNOME shell extension through the browser. Currently, it doesn't work in Firefox. There are some workarounds that they documented. It does work in Chrome and Chromium. Chromium, Hmm. Rocco. It works in Chrome, did you say? Chromium. (laughs) (laughs) But it works in Chromium, so I installed it there and attempted to install the M-Connect, but it just wouldn't... It would interface in KDE Connect you have to have installed as well. It would interface and see the phone, but wouldn't do any of the fancy things that I was seeing. I'm sure it's something I've done wrong, although there were a lot of bug reports and they're, most of the environments, when you go to download it, are labeled testing. In fact, all of them are. So they're still 
doing a lot of work with this, but the screenshots that they were showing really were kind of cool because this is going to allow you to read and send SMS text messages through this app from your desktop. And this is an important feature. Back before I switched to Linux and I used a Mac and an iPhone, Mac and Apple have had this for a long time. If you have an iPhone, you could text from your MacBook to anybody you wanted that was in your contacts list, et cetera. It's been a major complaint whether you were on Windows or anywhere else that this has never been integrated like it has as well with Apple. And so I love that Linux is kind of building this even before Windows has a good solution here, uh, building this out to have an extension to allow you to read and send text messages directly through your desktop PC. Although you do have to have your phone tethered, which is a little different than the how the iPhone works, it's still an awesome service. Now, a lot of people get around this by using apps like Telegram, where it's not as important to necessarily, you, meaning you have a desktop app and whatever you say to me in Telegram on my desktop app is going to show up on my phone. But then you've got to get somebody actually convince them to download Telegram and sign up for it and all this stuff. So that's why it's important, even though there are workarounds that people use that they're creating this type of integration. They also have automatic timeouts to improve having to manually intervene. If you've ever played with connecting your phone to any OS, you'll know that it can be a pain in the butt. Sometimes it times out, you've got to unlock it. So they're going to be doing some automatic timeouts and things there. So you're not having to unplug and replug your phone in constantly uh, when the connection has uh, timed out or the system has stopped u- utilizing it. So I think this is pretty cool. I really was hoping I could get it working. It's probably something simple I need to uh, spend some time investigating. But overall, once they get this out of testing and implement it, I think it's going to be a major feature. What do you think? Is this something you'd use? Well, I think the biggest news of all in this story is the fact that you have Chromium installed. chromium not chrome (laughs) that is that is i've actually been using chromium a lot more lately uh right now i'm running budgie uh so i haven't been able to actually test this out but if it's anything close to kde connect or if it allows you to use it like kde connect i mean the kde connect itself is one of the best apps i think of the year of the century wow. in my opinion okay. for linux nice. just because of the of how what it does for you um there's no other app like it there's no other app that does something like that and there's no other app that actually connects your phone to your computer in that way and in that simple of a fashion so right. if it works like kd connect uh it will be great if it's kind of clunky and everything maybe you just want to switch to kd there you go i might have to go back Majoro KD, here I come. There you I've go. I've been missing you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, be, we talked before about a global menu extension. And um, yeah. do you use global menus? No. Okay. Well, I was never a big fan of global menus before, but I did get used to using them, uh, using uh, Unity for a little bit. So I do see the value in them, but there is an extension and it is for GNOME that allows for global menus, but it is actually going to be discontinued, or that's what the title says. So it's kind of like... So you build me up and take me back down. How dare you? It's pretty much I build you up and (laughs) say, you know what? There's this great extension. There's this great thing out there, but you know what? You can't have it. Right. You can't use it. Sorry. I think it was interesting in this article, though, why the support initially, though you're going to build us back up again, because there is hope still here. Okay, um, but why this individual stopped developing for it? 
Well, the developer who is Lester, and I don't want to say his last name because I'll mess it up, but it's Carballo, I guess. Uh, he, he actually makes uh, multiple apps and, and other things as well. So he's he's a pretty good developer, and he works with Cinnamon Spices a lot. He created this app, and he actually doesn't even use it himself. But he created it because there was a need for it, uh, mm -hmm. and people wanted it. So the problem here is it doesn't and it won't ever work for Wayland. And mm -hmm. when 17.10 comes out, uh, Wayland will be the default. Now, you will be able to log into X by uh, switching the session for GNOME, which is why it's really not discontinued because it's still going to be available in the extension page. You're still going to be able to use it. It's still going to work, but it's only going to work in the X session uh, when 1710 comes out. So there you have well, it. Well, I, I did read in the article as well that obviously since this is open source and out there, there's the possibility somebody could grab this, pick it up, and start making it uh, a fork of it or, or adding to this uh, software here. So th this may not go away completely if it's something you love or utilize, um, but certainly he stopped working on it. And I do want to mention in the pre-show, not only did you say he was uh, a very great guy, as you said earlier, but in the pre-show, you said he was a genius. So this guy's done some awesome work. This guy in the has, past. this guy really has done some awesome work in the Linux community. So yeah. he is one of the guys on the opposite side of Linux Mint as far as uh, how they have gone, the direction they've gone with their spices, because he was big into developing cinnamon spices. Um, but like I said, he's um, he's a genius as far as the developers concerned, and um, you know we'll see how this plays out. So, talking about cinnamon spices, we have some some minty news in the news. Imagine this that week. it all ties together. <laughs> it's like it's like we planned it. It's this almost way. like we planned it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know us better than that, so you know that's not true. Uh, Linux Mint eighteen dot three Sylvia. Think is how they're going to pronounce it is the code name for it has been has had its official announcement so well that's the code name right now sylvia so it could change it any minute but one of the things i was most excited about because before i got my synology nas one of the videos that i've done and talked about and i absolutely loved it was a program called time shift and so time shift in this update will be installed alongside of mint backup and Mint Backup is a tool to back up your individual user files, whereas Time Shift will back up, kind of take an entire snapshot. So think Time Machine or something along those lines from other products. That's kind of Time Shift is really the Linux version of that. And it does a fantastic, fantastic job. I, I used it. I did videos on it. It worked beautifully. So I love that they have Time Shift in there, but they're also integrating Mint's backup because personal data, if you just want to grab those files uh, and have them in a separate backup, which is something that I recommend, then you have that as an option as well. Now, I've not used Mint backup because I haven't been in Mint in a very, very long time. I liked Mint when I used it back during the 30 days of Linux, but I haven't been back to it because I had a lot of issues with screen tearing and things like that back in the day with the Cinnamon desktop. Well, I used to use uh, Linux Mint, but I really was never a big fan of Mint Backup because it really only backed up your personal files. Mm -hmm. And I already did that by hand, or manually, I should say. So I was really never a big fan of Backup because it really just was something redundant for me to use. But 
having this alongside of uh, the Mint Backup is great. I don't know exactly how it's going to be implemented, if it's going to be uh, a single application where you can do both or if it's just installed alongside where you can you know, open either one. It would be nice if it was kind of like integrated together, uh, right. but I don't know exactly how that's going to happen. But they also have uh, a new tool for system reports. So this tool is not going to be fully implemented in 18.3. It's going to be partially implemented. So, But what this tool does is it gathers the information a newer user might not be able to gather from trace reports and everything and gather that information and allow somebody to report problems or bugs or crashes to Linux Mint without having to be a technical savvy person running commands in the terminal. So right. this is going to be an, an awesome thing for newer users that don't have the uh, technical knowledge to report bugs, but at least help out the uh, Linux Mint team. Well, I think it will be, it will help not only the Mint team, but you know, depending on how these reports look and how easy they are to generate, this is something where if you notice a lot of support forums and things where people are having issues, maybe they're newer to Linux, maybe they're not newer, maybe they're intermediate users. One of the things you'll see in the comments is often, hey, go to your terminal, type in this command so we can get the logs and review them or see these trace routes or run this. They don't even know what they're doing, but they're following it because these people are trying to help them and they're printing right. out these giant things and they don't know what it means or what code they're running. So if this is something that somebody can easily, if they're having an issue, click on it, upload it to a forum, and then not only developers, but other people in the community can help them, then I see a huge benefit here. Like you said, though, which I think is very important. It depends on how well they integrate it. Is it easy to get to? Does it make sense what type of reports or trace routes you're running and that type of thing that it's something that's going to be uh, very useful or not? But I love the idea of it. The yeah. idea of it is extremely solid. Yeah, the idea is great. It just comes down to, you know, the idea is to make it easier for a new user. But mm -hmm. how easy it is for a new user is remains to be seen. So we'll have to just wait and see. Definitely. And then you've got high DPI will be enabled by default in Cinnamon as well. So we talked about that earlier uh, as being uh, kind of the technology for the retina display. So they're going to have that that as well, which I think is fantastic. They're also, you talked about the spices, the configuration model for Cinnamon Spices. Applets, desklets, extensions, and themes have all been completely revamped yep so they're not going to be outdone by gnome um revamping their settings area so uh they have actually <laughs> revamped some of the spices area which i think they did this actually one time before in the last month or two they uh revamped it so i think this might be the second time they revamped it but nice. either way if they're re improving it um it it's always a good thing there's a lot of love out there for mint i've seen it kind of have a resurgence here recently with, with just individuals I noticed comments saying they run it and absolutely love it. For a while there, a lot of people were moving away, it seemed like, just my own personal you know, view of watching forums and listening to people talk, but I see a lot of people starting to come back and take interest in it, so we'll see. It's, never, it's not like it's ever been a bad option out there, but um, it's certainly one that's kind of gained and uh, gone down in popularity, it seems, over the last months. Well, there's always going to be people who love Linux Mint and people who hate Linux Mint. And where do you stand? I, I'm in one of those camps where it's great for newer users. It's not for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the fact that they want to bring an operating system that anybody can use. And pretty much anybody can 
boot up into Linux Mint and use it regardless yeah. of who you are. And and I think they hit that goal. There comes, you know, issues as far as security issues and how they handle updates and everything. That gets into a whole nother conversation. But I think the idea of Linux Mint is great. Um, like I said. It's like a bike with training wheels. It's, it's like fun, a bike but with you outgrow wheels. it quickly. Yes. So, <laughs> look, there are some people that run Linux Mint yeah. today that have been on it and don't want to leave it, and they love it. And that's right. great. But for me, um, there's usually something that I would rather run than Linux Mint. Gotcha. So speaking of operating systems that may not be very user-friendly, but that may be of interest to anybody, especially if you're concerned about some of the things that have happened with W3C and the open internet changes that have occurred, there's so much news on that right now. Uh, Tails has released a roadmap for their future, and the roadmap looks pretty cool. They've got some really neat things that they are looking uh, to add into Tails. For those that don't know, Tails is really an anonymous way, an anonymous distribution, an anonymous way for you to get and browse the web securely and privately. And uh, if you're into, what were you going to say? So is this something you would install on a USB or you would install it on your hard drive or what? You know, Tails is, you could do either with Tails. You can run it on a USB. A lot of people recommend actually just leaving it on the USB and never varying from there. But also on the USB, you can create a file system so that it is more uh, something you can continuously use. So by default, Tails doesn't have an ability for you to save all of your files and everything on that USB drive, but it is because that's how secure it is. It's meant you plug it into a computer, you use it as an operating system, you pull it out, there's no personal files saved, nothing. But you can go in there and enable settings so that you can also save some of your files within Tails as well. Um, But it's really a way to be completely anonymous if you don't want anybody to track you. Now, I use that term completely anonymous loosely because there's really no such thing. We've There's been lots of articles even recently about the Silk Road and everything with Tor browsers and yep. how they're catching these individuals generally because they're going on a Facebook or something else and they're using similar usernames that they're using as their logins. And there's all kinds of ways you can get caught, but this is one of the most anonymous ways to not get caught, if you will, uh, <laughs> if you're browsing there. So some of the changes in the roadmap are making it easier to install, which I think this is a big deal, improving the documentation and explanations of what Tails is and exactly what it does. Now they're doing HTTPS implementations to add some additional layers of encryption and security, mobile messaging implementations. So now they'll have their own you know, mobile messaging capabilities within Tails and they're switching to Wayland. So they will have Wayland support. That seems to be a constant theme now. I think it's a, a, a trend that everybody's going to go to. And uh, that's another whole conversation of whether or not it should be happening right now with Wayland still not exactly up to par with NVIDIA drivers. Or There's a debate of whose fault it is, whether it's NVIDIA or Wayland. But either way, it's not always compatible uh, together. So... Depending on where you stand, I guess if you're not an NVIDIA user, you might be okay with Wayland. But for me right now, um, you know, obviously I'm going to have to log into an Xorg session. So I really, really hope uh, NVIDIA comes out with something with Wayland. Uh, I've not seen any recent news that looked promising. In fact, before this, I was reading a, a Reddit forum talking about whether NVIDIA will support 
Wayland or not. It was from a week ago, and it, it just it didn't look like there's much being done on the NVIDIA front there. So uh, it's going to leave a lot of us behind, and I'm very concerned about that from a Linux perspective, specifically from individuals who are moving to Linux for the first time. NVIDIA, without a doubt, owns the graphic card market. AMD's making a great comeback, and that's wonderful, but NVIDIA owns it. So a lot of your users are going to be coming to Linux with NVIDIA. So we can love AMD. They could be the greatest company that does so much for Linux and all this stuff. But when you're talking about mass migrations of people and new users, which I think is happening a lot more than it ever has before, and then you have a bunch of, uh, you have something like this, which is not compatible currently with NVIDIA, or at least easily. And you're going to have to know to go switch desktop environments, which I didn't even learn till like probably four months into using Linux right. uh, about that. I mean, it's just to me, this is a major problem and nobody seems to be concerned about it. And that's that's well, what's concerning. I get the idea that Wayland has to be put into like Ubuntu 17.10 before mm -hmm. the LTS release of 18.04. So I get that this is their testing ground to get all the bugs worked out. But. Either way, it does cause a lot of issues for people who use NVIDIA cards. So it's kind of like, you know, where do you go with it? You don't, yeah, you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait to implement it because then mm -hmm. you have to wait past 1804. But right now you're pushing it and you're pushing, you may be pushing some people away because like you said, uh, you can install Ubuntu and it just works. And will yeah. it, will it work for everybody now? Uh, will people who like say I'm a Windows user and I want to try out Ubuntu for the first time and I don't know and I got a NVIDIA card and I don't know anything about X Session or Wayland, I may try to download the new 1710 when it comes out and I can't even get it to work. May not yeah. ever try Linux again because of it. So maybe they'll have something like a hardware identification tool like uh, Manjaro uses to know that, oh, they're on NVIDIA, so I'm going to log them into the X session. I'm hoping they do something like that because if they don't, it could have major issues. The first distribution, uh, I think, um, was it Michael who was on one of the Friday Night Live calls said, everyone raise your hand if Ubuntu was the first distribution you used in yep. like 95%, I think it was all raised our hand saying that was the first distribution we ever used. So it's very interesting to, if they don't implement it correctly, that Ubuntu could be that distribution that goes from the one that always works and everybody's first try to the one everybody goes, do not go there right. uh, if you have a certain chipset. So it'll be interesting to see how it works. And again, NVIDIA may come out of the woodworks. Maybe they just did an hour ago, who knows, and say, oh, we've figured out a way to make it all work. But at the moment, I'm scared. Well, we'll let it play out and we'll see what happens. Yep. All right, so we had recently in a Destination Linux episode, and forgive me for forgetting which number it was that he was in, but Eric Dubois of Arch Labs, we had him on and talked to him about Arch Labs and what they were doing. So they have released uh, Minimo. I guess that's how you say it. Because, um, <laughs> of course, we can't have one that says, you know, like Linux Mint came out with theirs, Sylvia. That's easy, dude. Right. <laughs> but, uh, I guess it's Minimo. Um, their newest release. And it comes with a lot of changes. So what they have done is they have kind of slimmed everything down if you want to have a brief synopsis of it. But they have gone a lot of fine-tuning. They have implemented a new uh, script. So it's called the AL-HELLO, A-L-HELLO, 
I don't know exactly. <laughs> See, we gotta do this all the time. I mean, why? Why can't we just be hello? <laughs> because they listen to the Destination Linux podcast and they're like, "Watch this. We're gonna trip them up." But this script, and I, and in all fairness, I have not tried it. Uh, to see how it works out because I haven't downloaded it yet. But um, the Hello Script, and we'll just leave it at that, the Hello Script, you can install 60 different apps and utilities from this script, uh, including images, including video apps, uh, web browsers, editors. Uh, It also allows you to choose which default panel you want to use, whether it be Tint or Polybar. And you can install NVIDIA or Bumblebee drivers as well. So it's basically a... I guess a welcome screen script that allows you to put all of this stuff in without having to know each specific command or going through each one separately through a package manager. Talk about an awesome user experience. If it's your first time going into, you know, this distribution and arch distribution, and you can just run this script. A lot of people talk about the Bumblebee recently and, and not having support for that and things. And then of course, your NVIDIA proprietary drivers, all of that being able to install right there uh, the second you open this. I think that's huge. Yep. So they also updated the VirtualBox modules. They uh, have a little app called LX Appearance to change up your themes and your icons. And they were going to actually release a Maximo uh, version of this, and I would assume that that had everything in it. Um, Minimo is like the slim down version, but they... well, see now I know it's got to be Minimo because the other one was Maximo. It's got to be Minimo. You pronounced it correctly. I just wanted to tell you that. So, well, there you go. I got something right for crying out loud. <laughs> so they in Minimo they have thinned out their wallpaper selection and their uh, icon sets, but they have decided to pick the best ones that they could find and slim them down. So that's what uh, the Minimo newest release offers. Nice. So R2-D2, which was the previous release, is now going to, as they call it, evolve into Arch Merge. So Arch Merge is basically a a operating system that's going to be coming out uh, the 1st of October. And he Eric put a teaser. It's, a, it's not actually a teaser video. It's a 10-minute video of what... <laughs> arch merge is going to be about now he didn't get into specifics of it but he showed you that you are able to log into xfce open box or i3 right out of the box you can switch sessions and you don't have to install they're all going to be installed for you so i think it's pretty exciting news man doesn't that make the installer for the iso quite big though when they do that those all having all those desktops i would think that could start becoming an issue as these different, not specific to them, but as these distros start packaging all these desktop environments, I'm noticing that the gigabytes for downloading some of them are getting bigger and bigger and bigger uh, out there. I think I was messing with CentOS this week and they had an all version download and it was, I want to say like 12 gigabytes or something Yeah, for that, for that download. So it starts to get pretty big and that may be well, something. I think that's part of the reason why they released uh, Minimo uh, mm-hmm. was to cut down on on these things. But the other thing you got to realize is that i3 and XFC and Openbox are three of the lightest distros out there or desktop environments out there. Gotcha. So that they're not sense. exactly yeah. huge, and they're not going to make this big, huge ISO like a. I guess it what is, what is it? Endless OS is like twelve gigabytes, something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
So also in the news we have, and, and this is my turn to mispronounce something, so you won't take all the beatings here. Gradio or G radio. <laughs> you is, took that for is, me. <laughs> Gradio 6.0. Now I was not able to get this to work either. I told you there would be a theme here. It was, uh, I, I followed the steps, uh, went through the PPA. Of course the PPA has not been updated yet and they do say that on there, but I didn't notice it until after I added it and tried to install G radio, but it's also available in the Ubuntu software store. So I went out there and downloaded it and launched it and it shows the icon and then goes away and nothing happens. And so I haven't been able to get it work uh, to work yet. I think they're still working out some bugs, but the idea of it seems very, very cool to me. Basically this is a community based application well it uses community-based radio browser to find different radios and things for you to listen to music different stations it can group your stations into various collections and basically allow you to create a whole vast library of radio stations you enjoy and music or i guess you could do anything that's on the radio news or anything else from it it's sortable it's got searches um you know your libraries can be imported and exported it just seems like a really and really cool idea out there, especially if you're not wanting to spend the nine or $12 a month for a subscription to some of these other services out there, you can just use the, this radio library tool. But like I said, wasn't able to get it to work. Well, this is available through a PPA or it is even available via snap file. So you can, or you can build it manually. So either way, there's three different ways you can install it. Um, I didn't try it. So you were the guinea pig on that one. <laughs> and failed. <laughs> failed miserably. Totally failed, dude. It's yeah. all your fault. I know. Speaking of something that's not my fault, though, Rocco. What's not your fault, man? Linux gets a virus. Man, dude. This is so, this is not good. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. This is not good. Well, I guess it's not really a virus as much as it is an exploit, but um, there's basically Bluetooth which we've all had some hate and love with. I don't know if you use many Bluetooth devices, but it's not my favorite technology currently uh, in any case. But the Bluetooth protocols have some flaws in them. There are eight flaws specifically. They're calling all eight of these individual flaws the blue collectively as Blueborn. And what this does is it impacts, first of all, all major operating systems, Linux, Windows, Linux, iOS, Android, so your mobile and your main desktop machines. Um, so I put a note in here, I guess this puts to rest the Hannah Montana mantra that Linux can't get <laughs> Windows viruses. Um, so single infected devices can be spread in seconds via these loopholes. So if one device is compromised basically by this, it can extend through the entire network of your devices. Uh, specifically within Linux, and this affects Linux servers as well as desktops. It's using the Bluetooth host L2CAP protocol version 3.3 plus. So anything 3.3 greater. A lot of times when you see this, it's older versions mm-hmm. of uh, software and things, but this is 3.3 plus. No notifications for this exploit. So if they were able to take your machine and compromise it, you would have no idea that it's been compromised. Nothing would be able to trace it. But there's some good news here, Rocco, right? The good news is that all you have to do is update your system. And (laughs) pretty much everybody from Ubuntu, Microsoft, Google, all of them have put out patches for this. 
Yeah. So the good news is just keep your machine updated and you'll be fine. Definitely. I think that's something that should be uh, a tagline in every episode. Update your machine, update your machine, update your machine. This is why it's so important. I mean, things like this, it could be major for organizations. I mean, look at what happened recently with, of course, all of our social security numbers and credit cards and everything being stolen from uh, Equifax. Uh, Some of the preliminary reports that I've been seeing show that they've patched it since then which tells me something. If you've patched the loopholes, then you probably weren't keeping them updated uh, to begin with. Uh, so it's it's very, very important that you go out there and you do update your machine. Definitely. Yep. <clears throat> okay. So with the new release of Firefox 57, uh, we have talked before in previous episodes that some add-ons are not going to be compatible with 57. So there's <laughs> a frantic... Uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, a uh, scurry of activity to try to get these add-ons, at least the ones that will be able to work with 57 and the new uh, web extensions, to work with 57. So Grease Monkey 4 is an extension that has over 880,000 users. Kind of a big deal. It's a big deal, okay? And what this is is it basically allows you to make a web page that you visit look and act whatever way you want it to act. You can change the theming of it. You can change what's shown, what's not shown. Uh, There are – what it is is it's an extension you install in Firefox, and then you then go and search for specific scripts to do something that you want to do. Say, I Mm want to use Google, but I want it to look like this. Right. Um, you find the script that you need and it will make Google look like that. Now, obviously, if you're a coder and you want to write a script for something to change the way something looks, you can do that as well. But this allows for people to make their web browser look and act the way they want. And there's an alpha version right now for Grease Monkey 4 that allows people to, that allows it to work with the web extension. Okay, so... This continues the development of Grease Monkey, which is was probably pretty much going to be dead once 57 came out. Right. It's a big deal. This is important. 880,000 users. That's almost as many people as we have listened to the podcast. So They're you could imagine up, if dude. we They're just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine. Um, this is an interesting move. Firefox, uh, I'm starting to see your... Um, I'm starting to see things your way a little bit, although I would never go as far as downloading Chrome. I have, like I have mentioned, using Chromium a lot more. It just seems like a lot is broken in Firefox at the moment. And it's nothing specific I can point to. It's just there's a lot of slowness and stuttering and stopping. And it could be extensions that I've installed, but maybe they're not compatible anymore. But the whole user experience with Firefox is not what it used to be. And it's very depressing to me because you know how much I've talked about Firefox and loved it and everything else. And I I still feel like they're just a major player in the open source arena and so important for the market. And I hate that it seems like they're just coming a little discombobulated lately. Well, it's almost like there's, it's almost like they're Jekyll and Hyde because they are doing some great stuff, especially with the container tabs, uh, where you'll be able to use different accounts for each tab that you have. Uh, mm-hmm. So you could have, you could be logged into great two idea. different accounts for Google if you wanted to. 
Google right. said that. Did I say that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't use that word. We don't use that word. Uh, so there's great things coming, like the multi-process things. That's awesome. But in the same vein, I mean, in the same way they're going down that road, they're also going down the road of removing options for you. And there's a lot of people that are upset about this whole Firefox 57 thing uh, where uh, web extensions are going to pretty much remove the legacy option for add-ons. And there's a lot of add-ons that are, and a lot of people use those add-ons that are going to be upset when they can't do it. I know I have family yeah. members who uh, refuse, utterly refuse to update because they don't want to lose their add-ons that they've become used to. And they also don't want to lose any more about config settings because Firefox mm -hmm. has a way of every every version that comes out, removing this setting, removing this setting. And it's a shame because, like I said, it's almost like they're going two ways. They're They're doing really good stuff on one hand, and then they're kind of leaving a lot of users behind in another hand. So one of the areas I've noticed Firefox has been the weakest in lately, and this you this was not the case in prior versions, is with video rendering. So when watching Twitch or Netflix or other movies, it just seems like something has happened where Chromium is super fast, no stuttering, no stopping. If I go to Mozilla, I constantly get the spinning wheel. Like it just can't you know, yep. uh, render the video or I'm not getting enough bandwidth. Although if I check my bandwidth, it's, you know, ridiculously fast. So there's no reason for it to be stuttering and stopping like it is. There's, and that's a major ordeal. This is where 90% of the people are, you know, consuming video and things on their, their computers and yep. through their browsers. And you've got to have your basics down pat. If you don't have your basics down pat, what do you have? You know, right. you can do all these little cool things with privacy, kind of like Opera did, you know, where you get a free v VPN, kind of VPN, um, kind of or just VPN, your browsing, yeah. um, more like a proxy server, I guess. But right. in any case, you can do those cool things. But if it doesn't work with the basic stuff, it's never going to take off. And I really hope Firefox gets back to the basics and making sure that they're faster in those areas than Chrome. Not just as good, faster. They need to be faster if they really want to take the market. Well, we've talked before about, you know, phone apps and extensions and everything. And I think that's one thing that makes a web browser. Uh, one of the reasons why Chrome, Chromium is so successful is because they have so many extensions available. Um, if Firefox had tons and tons of extensions available to a user. Now, there are people out there who don't use any extensions. There are mm -hmm. people out there who use only one or yeah. two. But there's many, many users out there who put tons of extensions on their Firefox. And with the move over to web extensions, it's going gonna, it's gonna to limit that. It's, it basically cut down their available apps in, in a huge way. So Yeah. Absolutely. Well, talking about apps and app wars and that type of thing, post-market OS, an ultimate Linux distro for your smartphone is coming. I just, I cannot wait for the time when we have a real Linux-based device. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, Android is a Linux-based device. Well, technically, yes, but it's owned by Google and I can't stand it. I prefer an iPhone. I'm in the industry. I've been in the industry for 18 years. There's a lot of reasons why I prefer an iPhone, but I just think it's, it, I think even when you take the iPhone or the Android and you guess which one's better, the reality is if I could have a third option, 
I would much rather have that. Yep. And so I'm so excited to start seeing some news again about Linux distributions coming to devices. So Postmarket OS is based on Alpine Linux distro. I don't know if you've ever used Alpine Linux distro before, Rocco. I have not ever tried it, man. Well, it's supposed to be lightweight and security centric. So this is really good news for those who are worried about their phones being a constant tracking device or even the article we did recently about four trillion cameras or whatever it was (laughs) watching us soon. Yeah, that was pretty close. Uh, You know, so this is the type of thing that I think is going to matter with the new OS. But we'll get into some other things that are really, really going to matter. And that's the apps that we were touching on if one of these was actually going to take off. But one of the things I liked about this is there's no restrictions on the interface. So you can use GNOME, you can use XFCE, you can use KDE. I mean, how beautiful would it be to have a KDE based device? Um, So Plasma Mobile is said to be one of the most impressive options and looking at some of the screenshots with Plasma Mobile. Oh my gosh. I know it looks great gorgeous well plasma looks gorgeous in general and then when you put it on a phone it's it's it almost looks like it was made for mobile it does yeah it's just it looks like it was made to be there it's absolutely beautiful so if you want to try it out if you have a samsung s2 or a nexus 4 lying around maybe you've upgraded recently or you go on ebay want to get one of those for cheap because you want to play with this and see what it's all about those are the two devices they're currently developing on for their mobile version. So you can get those devices and they're adding to that list constantly. So uh, they'll have more and more devices. And again, keep in mind, they're developing on this. That doesn't mean these are the devices they're going to release it with. This is the devices they're used to develop. So if you want to go along in the development cycle, these are the phones that they're playing with uh, in order to use it. And I think it's interesting because this is an important area for Linux to get into because we're going to talk about Another device here, which has really, really got some fire behind it. Um, But mobile devices account for 65% of the digital media consumption that people spend their time accessing. Um, And they utilize their mobile device now more than their desktops for accessing the web. And I know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm that way. I mean, I use my desktop a lot, but I use my phone more. Right. If you were to count up the hours. So for Linux to really start spreading and growing, getting into the mobile market is mandatory. This isn't something that's just fun to have a third player in there or whatnot. They're going to really need to be in there. And yes, I guess Google Android is technically something there, but that's Google privacy disaster. (laughs) Um, So the next news I'll give you is Plasma Mobile and Purism's Librem 5 smartphone librem 5 is going to be the name of the smartphone now this is really cool you want to tell us a little bit about this rocco well look speaking of plasma because we were just talking about you know you said about how beautiful it would be to have a plasma thing this is not new news okay this came out a few week or two ago but it's so exciting to see the activity behind it i mean Mm -hmm. this is they're crowdfunding this right so yep. you had put this article in and put it in our document, and we, I had looked at it. I looked at it two days later, and it went up to 591000 right now. That's current. Now, this we're recording this on Thursday, so by the time this releases on Monday, Who I'm knows? hoping that it would be over <laughs> – over 1.5 million 1.5 million but it's 591,000 and it's raised 39.4% of of its goal 
when you put this article in two days ago, it was 33%. Yeah. So in two days, it's raised that much. So that's where the activity is. That's awesome, dude, to, to see yeah. something like this. Yeah, absolutely awesome. And what what's so neat about this is, again, they're focusing on privacy. So uh, they're talking about the world's first ever IP native mobile handset using end-to-end encrypted decentralized communication via matrix right off the bat. And this company, Purism, is kind of known for this. They, they've uh, created laptops and things that have kill switches built into them. And they're doing that with the phone as well. So they're going to have uh, kill switches to turn off your mic, your camera, your Wi-Fi, your baseband. So if you're worried about the cameras turning on on their own or NSA getting into your device or a hacker getting into your device, you can kill those functions when you're not using it. Kill the hardware completely, which I think is fantastic. Um, and again, this kind of gives us a real first run at a true device that you can go buy and hold in your hand. Now, it's going to sound like a lot of money when I talk about some of these donation options here, but I want everyone to keep in mind that Samsung and Apple have just released their new devices at over $900 each. So Samsung's device is over $900. Apple's new device is over $900. So Keep that in mind when I talk about these prices here. You can donate at $100 if you want to go check out uh, the GoFundMe page. Is it a GoFundMe or is it a... Um, which Let's one is see it? here. Uh, well, either way, $100, while Rocco looks that up, will get you a t-shirt and your name on the backer page. So not a whole lot for that 100 bucks, but knowing that you get to support the first one of the first true real... Linux-based phones out there. $299 gets you some development equipment. So you can kind of build your own kit, but it's not the actual phone. So they'll send you a screen and some circuits and things you can put together and basically create what would be a developer's kit uh, or what they would use before they actually went and designed it into a phone. $599 is the minimum to get your very own device. Now, again, comparing that to a $900 Apple or Samsung phone, doesn't sound as shocking as it may initially. $599 gets you that device and you'll have it in your hands and you'll be the first one to be able to come on to Destination Linux and tell us all about it. If you get one. <laughs> if you get one. It doesn't look like a, a standard GoFundMe page. It, lo- it looks like their actual website, uh, Puri.sm. And um, you can put in your rewards and uh, which one you want to use and run with it. Nice. Are you going to get involved in this? That's the question. I really want to. Uh, if I had the money, I would definitely be getting involved in it because it's just one of those things that I believe we're in a desperate need for. First of all, Android and iOS are boring now. They're just there's nothing really innovative coming out with them. Uh, iOS 11, which just came out, I've been playing with. You know, it's got a couple of cool features, but at the end of the day, it's all just kind of flash and. It's all theming, Rocco. It's all theming. I like theming, dude. <laughs> it's all just theming. No, yes, but seriously, but this it's going to have uh, KDE on it. And, completely which is, different. Which yeah. is going to be something that, look, Android is perfectly fine to use. But if I had my choice and if I could use KDE on a mobile, it would definitely yeah. be KDE. No question. Absolutely. But the, the key here, and those who have followed the smartphone wars will be very keen on this, but there was a time when a bunch of companies like Palm, BlackBerry, everybody had their own OS. And some of these OSs 
for security and things were better than what eventually became the two flagships known as iOS and Android out there, but they failed. And they failed in one area, I believe, looking in hindsight specifically, and that is having apps. The ones that had the most apps won. Google knew this when they were coming out against Apple and they tried to make as many easy to get into and promote and conferences and everything they could to get developers in there creating apps for Google. And they made it the wild, wild west. If you could create anything, even if it just blinked the letter B, they would put <laughs> it on the store and you could sell it. Like they just, they had to compete there. They had to open it up right. to try to compete with Apple for a Linux device to actually take off. It's going to have to have the apps uh, in order to support it because you're not going to be able to tell them, you know, all your friends to go download some obscure app and they're on Android and Google and they can never communicate with you or vice versa. There's got to be some symmetry here between all of these and having the major apps players bringing them to the forefront, which is going to be pretty difficult because you're competing against billion dollar corporations. Well, I think the apps are to you totally have a good point about the apps because that's where that's where people are going to go. I mean, if I mm -hmm. can't use the apps that I normally use on my phone, I ain't going to use that phone. As simple as that. But I think equally important, I think, is the stability of it. And you know, we run Linux desktops, and we talk about how stable they are. But yeah. let's let's face it, they do crash every now and then. And I won't say that Android or Apple don't have issues. Uh, but for the most part, they're pretty stable. And I think it's equally important to make sure that whatever they put out is absolutely rock solid stable before yep. they put it out. Yeah, I agree. And it's good timing for a third OS. I think a lot of people are like me. They're bored with the current offerings out there. So it's really good time for somebody to come in there. But you're right. If they don't do it right, it's just going to get ignored and somebody else will be able to take that third spot, third play within the OS is there. And um, so... We'll see how it all goes out. But you've also noted that GNOME Foundation is supporting the Purism's Linux phone. And GNOME is obviously big in the news these days. So that's a big deal. Yep. So it's not, I mean, it's nothing major, but they have put their backing behind the Purism project. So it's one more push to get mm -hmm. it out there. So we'll see how it works out. Absolutely. Now some exciting stuff, Rocco. We're What's gonna exciting? Get into Gaming. Yeah. <laughs> this is your favorite section. This is my favorite section. So what, <laughs> what have you been playing? What have I been playing? Oh, Guns of Icarus Online. Have you heard about this game at all? I have heard of it. Never played it. Yeah. Guns of Icarus Online is $4.99 currently. This is an assemble your crew, take to the skies, premier PVP airship battle. I mean, think about this. You're on an airship. It's in the sky. You can be an engineer, you can be a shooter, or you can be the captain. So this airship becomes now Star Trek Next Generation. You're the captain of your own ship, except it's wood and looks like a pirate ship and floats. So besides that, you're basically choosing between one of these options, and you can play the engineer and try to repair everything on the ship while people are blowing, uh, shooting cannonballs and machine guns and all these different things at it. There's all kinds of different weapons and as you upgrade your character, you can unlock different weapons if you're one of the shooters, etc. And there's all kinds of different abilities depending on the class you choose. So you could be steering and trying to get the best position to blow up the other ships. Or you could be an engineer repairing everything. Or you can be a shooter shooting at everyone. And there's different ways to take down the armor. And there's just all kinds of tactics in here. So ultimately, though, it's a PvP 
massive airship battling game that's online. Now, I've only been running through the tutorials, so I, I did the tutorial for the pilot, I did the tutorial for the gunner and the engineer, and I just wasn't brave enough because I didn't <laughs> feel like I had them down to go online with it. I did click on, to man. make sure there were a couple servers available, and there's not a lot of people playing this game, but what got me interested in this game is there was a Reddit post that talked about what are the most popular or what are the games that you wish would become more popular with users that are really awesome. And Guns of Icarus was one of those games that was listed there at the top that, that a lot of Linux users were really wishing uh, more people would support and play because it's just a really cool game. It's got great graphics and it's a lot of fun pretending to be a captain. Let me tell you. Um, so even in the tutorials, I had an absolute blast. So there were only a couple servers available, but they were there. I just felt like I'm going to be that, that guy in rocket league that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you would never be that. Come on. No, no. All no. right. So you can get this on steam. I take it. Yes. You can get this on steam right now for four ninety nine. A very inexpensive cost of entry for a very cool game. So check out supporting it. Nice. So the other game I've been playing is Albion Online. And Albion Online really got my attention because it was one of the first MMORPGs that was a new release that had come out for multiple platforms immediately, including Linux. Now, one of the things I will tell you is I've had nothing but issues trying to install it in any other distro but Ubuntu. Now, people claim they can get it work in Manjaro and other distributions out there. But at the time, a couple months ago when this game first came out, I could not get it to work no matter what I tried. But in Ubuntu, it works perfectly and runs without an issue. Well, they have an update coming out named Joseph. It releases September 27th, so coming here real soon. And following WoW's success, they're adding uh, PvP arenas in here. So you can do battles of five versus five and in this particular mode you get battle points and they shower winners with sigils which you can spend on vanity items or as Brocco would call theming your character yeah and <laughs> and all kinds of cool stuff so they've got lots of enhancements actually coming in joseph out of there but the battlegrounds is really important because world of warcraft really uh created tons of popularity with battlegrounds it's something a lot of players love to do and so Albion Online having that, I think, is a nice shot across the bow for weary World of Warcraft players who are ready to move on to something different here. But some other uh, enhancements are treasure sites that they're adding, smart casting mechanics that they're improving, two new expeditions, UI improvements, new abilities, and lots of bug fixes, which I hope is making it more compatible and more Linux distributions out there this so i'm pretty excited about albion online i've been playing it a little bit this week and i restarted my character and guess what i named him rocket league i figured you'd guess justin bieber oh. or hannah montana <laughs> Belieber? <or laughs> Belieber. i named him manjaro because that's the distro i couldn't get the game to run in so i'm hoping the developers see my character and get the hint what do you think wow okay yeah that's how we're rolling that's all good <laughs> All right, so have you seen the latest Humble Bundle that's available? I have. I have seen this Humble Bundle, and it's quite an offering. It is. So you can – It's Humble Bundle is something you can pay what you want for. Part of it goes to uh, your choice of charity. Part of it goes mm -hmm. towards the game. So for this month's Humble Bundle, I think it was uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider was – 
for $12. But there's a very positive Humble Bundle. That's what they're calling it right now. And it's out right now. And if you buy it, it you can get the first three games, which are uh, Rive, Neon, Chrome, and Dungeon Souls. And then yep. if you pay more than the average of $7.16 right now, you also get Shadow of Mordor Game of the Year Edition. Amazing game. Best game ever. Yep. Uh, Ultimate Chicken Horse. Really? Ultimate Chicken Horse? <laughs> it's not on my list. It's there, not on Rocker. my list. It's not on my wish list. It, it gets, might be good. It gets better. Okay. Uh, okay. You get Oxen Free as well. All right. All right. So if you pay $10 or more, you get the Death Road to Canada and Beat Cup. <laughs> Which <laughs> wait, wait for the big reveal, guys. Okay, you the gotta big... be patient. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if you pay eighty dollars or more to unlock, uh-huh. you will get a copy of Middle Earth Shadow of War, which is absolutely gonna be awesome. Out Cannot wait. October tenth, I believe it is the day that it releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also get a Shadow of War t shirt. So that's eighty dollars. And if you went to buy Shadow of War right now, I think it's ninety nine ninety five. So not only are you saving money by buying it from Humble, Humble Bundle, but you are also um, donating to charity as well. Yep, absolutely. And and I haven't played a lot of these games that come with it, except for Shadows of Mordor, of course, which is amazing. Um, but, you know, it's nice that you can spend your money and also help charity at the same time here. And a lot of these, uh, I think all of them, I've only used Humble Bundle a couple of times, but they come with Steam Keys. So you just go and you take the key, you put it into your Steam account. So it's not like you have to have a completely separate account with Humble Bundle that you have to worry about or download your games from. Uh, Most of them are Steam uh, games that you just take the key, put it in your Steam, and then it's in your Steam library forever. Absolutely worth buying from Humble Bundle. I could say that because you can pick whatever charity you want for whatever source you want. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. awesome. You know what other thing is awesome? What Rocco? What else is awesome? <laughs> I'm gonna take. Some I can't heat wait for, for you to start. This I'm gonna article. take some heat for this one, but I can't wait for it. <laughs> um, for you, I know this is destination Linux, but for you people that dual boot <clears throat> Windows, <clears throat> I do not support this content in any way. <laughs> Call of Duty World War II for the PC is coming in November, and um, the beta. And I'll be ignoring it. Uh huh. And the beta is out. September 29th through October 2nd, just in case you're interested in, you know, dual booting for that period of time. There's only one reason to be interested in this article. Yeah. That is to go to their forums and tell them if they don't give you a Linux version, no tux, no bucks. That's the only way you can do this article on the Destination Linux podcast. But no, Call of Duty is a major player right this is a major game people look forward to this all year i remember back in the day before linux mm-hmm. before i came to the linux family and i was playing on consoles i think at this point standing in line at midnight for gamestop to release call of duty modern warfare i think it was or one of those versions um it, it was a big deal i love these type of games i wish that um is it activision still doing this who's sledgehammer games sledgehammer So go out there to Sledgehammer Games forums and definitely show them that we want this game for Linux. They should release it for Linux. It will run better on Linux. Hit them with the Linux hammer. Yeah, hit them with the Linux hammer. I like that. (laughs) Well, there's a new trailer 
for uh, Call of Duty World War II out if you want to check it out. We'll put the link in. Uh, but the beta is September 29th through October 2nd in case you are interested in joining. Or maybe you can get it to run through wine. Maybe. Not, maybe. not likely. <laughs> well, they could have Vulcan support in there. <laughs> that would be interesting to find out. You know what's interesting? What? The new Rocket League Autumn Update, man. <laughs> you know we got to end on Rocket League. You know they were going to try to change up a lot of the levels and things because me and you have become too dominant. We've conquered that's, them. That's is that the what rumor. you're saying? Yeah. yeah, Psionics has basically said we've got to do something to trip these amazing pro players up. So what are some updates we're going to have here? Well, look. The updates are going to include transparent goalposts. So if you've ever played Rocket League uh, and you're inside the goal and you look mm -hmm. around to the right, you can't see because the goal actually blocks your view. But there's going to be transparent goals so you can actually see through it and see where the ball's going, see where the cars are. So that's a awesome feature that's going to come it's out. It's not very realistic, though. It's not very realistic, but I mean, neither, flying is, cars. neither is playing <laughs> soccer with cars, dude. This is not about being realistic, okay? <laughs> All right. All right, so uh, they also have a new Wasteland. Uh, I'm sorry. They have a modification of Wasteland and Starbase Arc. So they mm. will be redesigned to fit the standard, they say, of playing. So I actually enjoyed uh, them the way they were, uh, because one of them is a like an octagon shape. One of them has the level where the center is lower than the outside. So I enjoyed the differences in them, but they're going to pretty much make them flat and change the shape of them so they fit the standard play. And they're saying that's because this is becoming a digital sport. So those who are into eSports and watch Twitch events, or even in, if you log into Rocket League, sometimes it will have a little notification saying they have pro tournaments going. So I like that Rocket League getting so much of, um, you know, attention and they're funding these big events and getting a lot of people into it. And I like it a lot because Rocket League is native to Linux. You can run it right through Linux and play it. And so it can naturally give a lot of popularity to Linux platform. And it runs amazing on Linux. I mean, Rocco wouldn't know because he's busy playing Call of Duty. Unlike Call of Duty World War II that doesn't <laughs> run on Linux. <laughs> they also have some new player banner customization items as if there wasn't enough to collect in there. They've got new ones for you to go and grab. Um, they have main menu screen. Let's see. We'll be shown throughout the game like the main menu screen and during goal replays for these banners. Yep. So that will be interesting. 90 free items that they're going to have out there. And I love that they highlighted free here, 90 free items that you can Unlike achieve. Unlike Call of Duty World War II. <laughs> yeah, which will probably be <laughs> microtransaction to death. Uh, so you're going to have lots of free rewards there. New seasonal arena named Farmstead. It will be a limited time map. So you're going to need to get Rocket League as soon as possible, start playing it, get prepared. You can even play with Rocco and I if you, you're up to it, if you get to pro level. I mean, yeah, if and, you want to be on our level, I mean, you can, play, <laughs> you can probably play right out of the box and be on our year, level. But. Years, of, years of training is what I was going to say, Rocco. <laughs> oh, okay, let's go with years of training then. <laughs> And a performance update for some maps will be included. And this update is due out September 28th. That's right around the corner as well. It is. I can't wait, dude. Because you know what? Then we'll be streaming the new map. Mm -hmm. That's right. Everyone's going to be on the edge of their seat watching us destroy the competition once again. Our biggest fan, Ski, 
He will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Ski loves trolling us during our live Rocket League, doesn't he? And he's good at it. He's really very good at me. it. <laughs> I wish he would not be as good as he is at it. He's really funny. <clears throat> he's very good at it. Uh, you know what would be better than Rocket League? What's that? Playing Rocket League with Destination Linux gear. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine how much better you would be if you had a Destination <laughs> Linux shirt while you were playing Rocket League? Drinking out of a Destination <clears throat> Linux coffee mug. Oh where my the gosh. Coffee tastes so much better. That's right. So much better and keeps your drinks colder and it's gluten free. Completely gluten free cup. So it's healthy for you. There you go. <laughs> All right. So you can get um, all the apparel you want for Destination Linux at teespring.com forward slash Destination Linux podcast. And Ryan, where can we find you besides playing Rocket League this week? <laughs> Rocket League and Albion Online. If you're playing that, you can uh, go look for the character Manjaro. So that'll be easy to remember. And uh, we could play some Albion Online uh, this week. Rocco, we'll probably get into some Rocket League destruction at some point. Yep. Um, and of course, we're going to be on Friday Night Live, potentially, if you're having it this Friday. Well, I actually work this Friday. Well, actually, it will be, no, this will be air Monday. So Friday Night Live will already be over. So next week, when you hear this broadcast, we'll be having Friday Night Live. Nice. So there you go. And we'll be playing Rocket League probably beforehand or just after. Last week, we threw people through a loop and played right after. Yep. I think Crazy. that worked out better. It was pretty fun. Yeah. And we had Michael from Tux Digital join us, which was a blast. And he's he's okay. He's okay. He's he's I've seen better Rocket League. We have to kind of like play down to his level. Carry him. Yeah, carry him. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. But um (laughs) yeah, if you wanna he actually streams Rocket League too, so if you want to check him out at tuxdigital.com. Definitely. What about you, Rocco? Where can we find you this week? Well, I was gonna actually do a HML review, but Hannah Montana Linux, <laughs> you're going to do it, right? Uh, I actually tried to download it and put it on a USB stick <laughs> and install it. And it just didn't want to install even onto the USB disk. So maybe I'll do a virtual box. That's one of those things where if your friends ever come over while you're installing it, you try to turn off your monitors and hit the power button on your PC. <laughs> like, oh, what are you doing, Rocco? Nothing, nothing. Nothing. Don't worry about this pink and purple <laughs> desktop that you see here. What did you think about English Bob's review of Hannah Montana Linux? I mean, genius or what? Well, I thought yours was actually pretty genius. Um, <laughs> it was. I know it's your new daily driver, so I won't dig on it too much. <laughs> But English Bob came in second there with his review, and uh, he enjoyed it. Actually, he enjoyed it. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens. We, we all had a blast doing it. So I'm still we've waiting to get for you... uh, Tux Digital to put his out. Yeah, that's right. He's he was officially out called out. Yeah, and I haven't seen anything out there. So right now, at this moment, cowardly would be the word wow. I would think of. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say it until we see the review. Cowardly. We're going to end on that note. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A big thank you to each and every one of you for listening every week. Um, All the people in the Telegram group, we appreciate all the conversations, and we thank you for supporting us and watching us. So have a great weekend. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast.
Rocco, I'm tired of your attitude and how you've been treating me lately. I don't get paid enough for this. Look, if you would talk to me, if you would answer me when I talk to you, then we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> Darn it.